Well, it is a joy to be with you, and what a great celebration today to be able to witness the baptisms and to see all that God's doing here. Thank you, uh, Pastor, for allowing me to come. We, we appreciate that so very much. And uh, Brother Bob, it's great to see you. Uh, you're one of the men that influenced my life as a young man. Uh, he's, you know, I think about this. Um, it's one thing for your grandson to allow me to preach in his church when I'm getting close to retirement. It's another thing for someone to allow me to preach in their church when I was 17 years old. And that was you. And we appreciate it so very much. So our families go back a long way, and we appreciate that. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd invite you to take them, even if they're on your phone. Take them and turn to Paul's letter to the Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. And we'll begin in reading with verse 9. As we read this, I don't want you just to put your mind in neutral. I want you to think, what would I say if I was speaking on this passage of Scripture? And I want you to think about what Paul is actually praying. You know, most of the time we don't tell people when we pray for them what we're praying specifically. Or I prayed for you. Well, we don't tell them exactly what we pray, but we're praying for them. But here, after his greeting, his introduction, his expression of gratitude for their lives, for their reputation of, as a church, Paul begins to pray for them, and we pick up in verse 9, where he writes these words. For this reason, let me go there. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of life. For he has rescued us. Amen. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Father, in these next moments, would you guide our thoughts? Would you open up our minds to hear what you want to say to us? But also open up our hearts, Father, that we might hear your Spirit speaking to us individually and collectively as a church. And so, Lord, we give you praise for all that has happened to this point. We rejoice and thank you for the redemption that we have seen in the lives of those who have been baptized. And we pray that you would speak to us now, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As he begins to pray for them, he lists some different things that he is praying about. He begins by praying that they would have a knowledge of God's will. Notice what he's saying there, that, that you have not stopped praying for you, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As he talks about that, he's asking that they would come to really know Christ. I'm, I think he's praying not that they just have a head knowledge, 
but they'd really have a heart knowledge. There's a lot of people that can tell you a whole lot about Jesus. They've, they've read the Bible. They know all about it. And yet they don't have that heart knowledge. And he's praying that they would really come to know him. That was really kind of Paul's obsession of knowing Christ. In fact, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And then he goes on down to verse 10. And what does he say? I want to know Christ. That was kind of an obsession with Paul. No matter where he went, how many churches he started, how many missionary journeys, no matter how many books of the Bible he wrote, he said, my desire is I really want to know Christ. Now think about this for a moment. He is saying this, that we can really know Jesus. That we can know him personally, that we can know him intimately. There's a lot of people we know a lot about, but we really don't know them. But this is the, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You and I can come to a personal, intimate, daily, hourly, minute knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he says, I pray that you will know him and be filled with all kind of spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, he doesn't want us to just walk blindly through this life. He wants us to have wisdom. He wants us to have understanding that we would really know the will of God. Well, you know what Paul later wrote about the will of God? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 or chapter 4, verse 3, he said, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. In other words, he wants us to not only know him, but he wants us to be totally surrendered to him. So that we know him up here, we know him in here, and that knowledge of him, that personal, intimate relationship with him, then begins to change the way we live, the way we talk, the way we act, that we come to the place in our lives where we are willing to say, Lord, for all that you have done for me, and we'll celebrate that in a little while with communion, for all that you have done for me, what, less, what can I do but give you my total self? That's coming to the place where we surrender not our past sins just by them that we start there, but it doesn't end there. It also continues as we surrender every part of our lives to him, allowing him to have lordship over every area of our lives by giving our complete obedience to him and walking according to what his spirit wants us to do. That's what it means. That's his will for our lives. And get this. He wants us to know how to do that. He wants to give us the understanding and the wisdom as we do that. And as we walk in obedience to him, Paul also prays that we would live a life that is worthy of the Lord. Look at verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. He prayed, first of all, that we would live a life that is worthy of the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Well, quite honestly, we'll never be worthy of what Christ has done for us. So what does he mean here? He, he, he's saying that we would live a life, listen, that is always honoring him always as much as we can to please him in our actions, in our thoughts, in our In other words, our behavior every day should match our status 
is God's holy people. Remembering who we are. We are his children. We are his treasured possession. We are part of his holy nation. We are a people belonging to him. So how should we live? We should live like that. We should honor him and live a life that would be a reflection of God. So let me ask you, when people observe your life at work, at home, in your neighborhood, at Walmart, when they observe your life, who do they see? I'll never forget, I was at a Sonic. Any of you ever go to Sonic? It's a drive-in. They have happy hour. It's the only happy hour I'm interested in. And I'm happy, I'm happy about it because it's half-price drinks, right? So once in a while, Sharon and I go there. And I was there one day with my wife, Sharon. And she, we did our order. And let me give you a little clue. She always orders a, a Route 44 or Route 44. How do you say it? Route or route? Okay. We, we say it all different ways. <laughs> Route 44, 44 ounces, and this is the secret. Route 44, Diet Coke, cherry flavoring, easy on the ice. If you don't know easy on the ice, you're in serious trouble. One time we ordered one in 44 ounces, and I gave it to her. That's what she wanted, and she took a sip, and she said, here, you take a sip, and I would <laughs> gave it back to her, and she would... She said, you drank it all. I said, there's no way I could have drank it all. I just took two sips. We opened the top. It was filled 40 ounces of ice, four ounces of liquid. So it's always easy on the ice. So we were there ordering, and they kind of messed up our order. And so I didn't make a big deal about it. They brought it out. It wasn't what we ordered. So I got out of the car, walked up to the window, talked to the young girl and said, you know, this, and waited, and then got back in my car. Right? No big deal. A little later, about a month later, I was talking to a pastor. He said, hey, I saw you not too long ago. I said, you did? I said, where? where? He said, you, we were at Sonic. He said, I saw they messed up your order. He said, I was in my car with my two children. And I watched how you acted. And how you spoke. And how you reacted. And I said to my boys, there's one of our general superintendents. We never know who's watching us. We never know the impact of what our actions, our reactions, our thoughts, our words will mean to someone else. And he says, I want you to live a life that's worthy of the Lord. In other words, we are representing him as his holy people. And so let's ask the Spirit to help us that our behavior would match our status as his holy people. We would be honoring him and following him so closely, understanding his will for our lives, that we will be daily transformed more and more into the very image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? Amen. That that can happen. That we can be more and more like Jesus as we get older and we can follow him so closely, so openly that he is transforming us. But then he also prays that we might please him in every way. 
not only please him in our actions, our thoughts, our reactions, but every day that our lives would be pleasing to him and that we would bear fruit in every good work. You see, as we are living in obedience, as we are allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us, as we are seeking an intimate, personal knowledge of him, getting to know him better and better, as we remain in him, guess what he will do? He will produce his fruit in our lives. As we abide in him, he will abide in us, and he will begin to reproduce and produce his spiritual fruit. I know your pastor preached on this just a couple weeks ago. But the fruit of the Spirit, look what it is. It's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. All of that is what he wants to be produced through our lives. But look at verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. So since we live by the Spirit, what should we do? Let's keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, let's just allow the Spirit to do that. Let, let's allow the Spirit to produce His fruit in our lives so that we become more and more like Him. Well, that, that's good news. That's just awfully hard to do. I mean, you know, my dad wasn't patient, and I'm just kind of like my dad. I have no patience for ignorant people. I used to say stupid people, but my, my grandchildren told me that's the S word. In fact, I, I said that one time, and one of them ran to my wife and says, Papa said the S word, and I said, I did not. They said, he did. He said the S word, and my S word and their S word were different, right? And, and I, I said, what? okay, what did I say? You said stupid. Oh, okay, I might have said that, all right. But that God would help us and that he would strengthen us and that he would transform us. And we do not, listen, we do not produce the fruit in our own strength and our own power. It's not because that we're just nice people. It's because of what the Holy Spirit is doing in and through us. And so he says, this is what I want you to do. Live a life worthy. I want you to please him in every way. I want you to bear fruit in every good work. And I want you to grow and mature. And how are we to do that? Well, he says, I have another prayer for you. And that is that you will be strengthened with all power for this task. He says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be doing all of this. I want you to be growing. I want you to be maturing. I want you to be producing good fruit, spiritual fruit in your life. I want you to be a great representation of, of what's happened on the inside. I want you to live it on the outside. And then he says, oh, it's not impossible. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is going to give you the power and the strength you need for the task of living this life. So he prays that we would be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might. Now, why don't you stop right there? Paul is praying that God would give us not only spiritual discernment of his will, but also the divine power to do it. You see, Christianity is to not do-it-yourself religion. We can only be strong through the power of God's Holy Spirit. 
God desires that we would be strong in his power, strong in his energy. And so he says, I pray that you would be strengthened. Now look at this, with all power. Now, if you were to really do a little research on that, Paul is really doing a play on words right here. What he is literally saying is that you will be strengthened with all power according to his glorious power. In other words, that you wouldn't be empowered with all power according to his glorious power. And he's playing on this. He is saying, I want you to be strengthened. And that is in the present participle. In other words, I want you to be strengthened now, but I want you to continuously be strengthened. Kind of like the energizer bunny rabbit. Just keep on keeping on, keeping on, keeping on, keeping on. Why? Because you are strengthened, continuously strengthened by his Holy Spirit. It goes on and on. And then he says, strengthened with all power. In other words, a sufficient power according to his glorious might. I want you to continually daily be strengthened by his Holy Spirit according to his power that is at work within you. And then he says, I want you to understand something about this power, that it is a sufficient power. Because he says, according to his glorious might or power. Now, it's interesting that he used, Paul uses the word according to. Now, that's stronger than by his power or of his power. It's according to his power. So when the multimillionaire gives you a gift to charity, he's giving of his power. But if a multimillionaire gives to a charity according to his power, that might be a whole lot more than you and I can give. You and I can give of our wealth the same, he can give $10 and we can give $10. But if he gives it according to his power, according to his riches, so in other words, what Paul is trying to point out to us is, is the Holy Spirit not only gives us of his power, but according to his power. In other words, this power is proportional, not just to our need, but according to his divine supply. Think about that for a moment. There is an undiminished supply of God's power for our continuous needs. I want you to know something. I'm going to give this to you. The Holy Spirit gives not only of his power, but according to his power. His power is proportional not to our need, but according to his divine supply, which never will run out. There's undiminished supply of God's power for our continuous needs. In other words, you can keep asking. Don't, don't fear you don't run out. Just keep on asking. For our need will never, can never, exceed the limit of God's grace. I like what Paul wrote in Philippians. He said, in my God will meet a few of your needs. My God will meet the small needs of your lives. My God will meet some of those needs. No, that's what, it's, it's what Paul wrote. Paul wrote, and my God will meet all your needs 
according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So we'll never run out. And we should never, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as we are on this journey of faith, we should never live spiritually weak or bankrupt lives when such limitless resources are available for all of ours. We should be realizing, we should be rejoicing when we realize that for all of our needs, we have the power to draw upon. And he prays that we will be strengthened with the power, that we will be strengthened with a sufficient power because it's according to his riches, that we will be strengthened with power so that we will have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Now, what is he saying? He's praying that we will have endurance. That's exercise, that's exercise towards circumstances. In other words, as we are filled with his spirit, there will never be a circumstance that's greater than his resource for us. In life or in death, there will never be any circumstance that you will ever face that you will say, Whew, that's bigger than God. Nuh-uh. So we can have patience, endurance. And patience is exercised towards people. <laughs> Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's harder than the circumstances. But he says, I want you to be so filled with his spirit that you'll have endurance in regardless of the circumstance, that you will have patience regardless of the person, and that you will live your life, listen to this, thankfully, joyfully giving thanks to the Father. And I think God's powers evidenced in our lives, not only in our endurance and in our patience, but also in our joyfulness. You mentioned that. And giving thanks to God in all circumstances, in all situations. And when times get a little tough, when, when you or I seem to be a little tired or weary or troubled or impatient, you know what we need to do? Go back to being thankful. Go back to re- remembering what all God's done. Remembering to count our blessings. Remember to recall his faithfulness. And when we do that, you know what happens? God's spirit working within us will bubble up that joy in our hearts. That regardless of the people, regardless of circumstances, regardless of what's happening, that we can be thankful in the midst of every circumstance and every challenge that comes before our lives. You know, I believe this is not only Paul's prayer for the church there, but I believe it's his prayer for every one of us. And that he will help us. I like another prayer that Paul prayed. It's found in Ephesians. He said, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. I went the wrong way, didn't I? Yeah, I hit the wrong way. There you go. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit 
in your inner being. That's what he wants to do for every one of us here this morning. That's his prayer. And this is my prayer for each and every one of you. Amen.